0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com and I'm thankful uh, for His kindness to each and every single one of us. We're so undeserving, so unworthy. and uh, But he, he pours His goodness out upon us, and I'm grateful for that this morning. Appreciate the wonderful songs, appreciate those who felt a need to come and pray, who are obedient to that moving, and those who have lifted a hand and worship, those who have still where you are, and just thank God for His goodness. I'm grateful for your involvement and your engagement with our service today, and I uh, thank the Lord for uh, speaking our hearts for when He's able to make stuff real to us, where we're not just going through the motions of a service and not just checking off things that we do on Sunday morning, but things become real to us, and uh, worship truly takes place. I'm grateful for that. Um, no one else has a word of testimony this morning. I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 15, and uh, certainly I think it will fit into uh, the thought process of God's goodness as we'll see God show goodness to a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, as she's called in uh, parallel accounts, Passage of scripture that you, I'm sure you'll be familiar with. Uh, but also, to me, probably, if I was to be honest with you, this is probably, uh, this passage of scripture is probably the most unique to me throughout the Gospels in the way that our Lord responds to this particular lady. And I think as we read these verses, you'll understand and you may even uh, agree with me. But Matthew chapter number 15, verse number 21 is where we'll begin reading. And if you will, I know you just sit down, but I'll ask you to stand with me one last time. Uh, To read and honor the uh, read, as a read and honor and reference to the word of the Lord. The Bible says this Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This is where I say, this. This is so unique to me, so interesting to me. This is Jesus' response. But he answered her not a word, he ignored her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, "'Send her away, for she crieth after us.' But he answered and said, "'I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel.' Then came she and worshipped him, saying, "'Lord, help me.' But he answered and said, "'It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs.' And she said, "'Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table.' Then Jesus answered and said unto her, "'O woman,' Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her her daughter was made whole from that very hour. God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to open up your word. Thank you for the freedom we enjoy. Thank you for the men and women who have given their very lives, Lord, in the most literal sense, so that we can enjoy this time today. God, we pray that everything said and done here today would bring glory and honor to you. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the songs that have been sung and how they lead us and and encourage us to worship You, Lord, and You are so worthy today. And Father, I pray as we open up the Word of the Lord this morning and continue to honor You, continue to magnify You, that You would help us uh, to have a hunger to draw closer to You, to have a desire to know Your Word better. And God, by Your Spirit, would You help us to live it out better as we leave from this place here today. God, help all other things on our mind to be removed so that we can focus upon You and Your voice to us today. And God, I want to pray this morning in dependence for power to preach in, Lord, because I am fully dependent on it for any kind of fruitfulness, for any kind of increase to be had, Lord. If a soul is to be saved today, none of that can happen through me and my skill and my voice. But God, it can happen through yours. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for first loving us. And in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. Uh, I think we all... I feel confident, would be able to say we all want to please God. We want to, especially as Christians, people who claim to follow Christ, who know Christ, nothing should bring us more excitement or joy than the idea that we can be pleasing to God. Nothing should spark your interest more than how can I be pleasing to God or this idea that I can live so as to be pleasing to Him. And I can tell you about one man who was pleasing to God. His name was Enoch, and he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 5, where it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And immediately after giving this testimony in Hebrews of this man named Enoch, Hebrews eleven six says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. That is, it's impossible to please God without faith. If you want to please God, you must have faith in Him. I, there's, if you you can read your Bible, you can do many different things, but faith can be absent. Certainly, if you have faith and you will read your Bible, you will pray, you will do all these other things. It may primarily come to our mind when we think of." of pleasing God, but what at the heart of all that has to be faith. If without faith, the Bible is very clear and very plain, without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith this morning is belief, it's trust, it's confidence. It, I read one definition that said it is to be fully persuaded. I was reading a book just this week, as a matter of fact, called "What Every Christian Ought to Know. It's by Adrian Rogers, and in that book he emphasized an important aspect of faith that Faith is not just verbally agreeing to something. Faith is not just saying, uh, saying that you agree with what the Scriptures say. Faith, true biblical saving faith will bring change to your life. It will impact who you are. Uh, take, for example, when you mentioned the passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, uh, the wall of faith, however you may Recollect that chapter, but all those individuals mentioned, notice that all of them, their faith was seed, their faith was evidenced by works. James said, faith without works is, is dead. In other words, Noah could have said all day long he had faith, but if he didn't put a hammer, of course he didn't have a hammer, but for our terminology, if he didn't put his hammer and his nail to work to begin to build that ark as God had told him to, then no, there's something wrong with Noah's faith. When Abraham was called out of the place where he dwelt to take and leave where he knew to leave his home, if Abraham had stayed there, it didn't matter how often he said, I had faith in God. If he stayed in that place where God had called him out, then he does not have true, saving, biblical faith. Faith will bring you, faith will drive you to action. Moses could have said all day long, I have faith in God, but when God called him to go to Pharaoh, if Moses refused to go, then there's a flaw in Moses' faith. True faith that God commends in the Scripture always is accompanied with works. We're not saved by works in no sense, but true saving faith will bring a change in your life. It will change who you are. James again said, faith without works is dead. Now according to Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, Jesus is pleased to respond to even a minor level of faith. The passage of Scripture says, as Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So even the faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, Jesus is pleased to honor that kind of faith. But the Bible, Jesus commends this woman, this Canaanite woman, This Gentile from a pagan place, he says, O woman, great is your faith. Now knowing that Jesus is pleased by faith, knowing that's what God calls for upon you and I, knowing that Jesus responds to faith, shouldn't our heart be to have a great faith as compared to a grain of faith? Shouldn't we desire for it to be said of us that we have a great faith? A faith that Jesus is pleased to acknowledge and respond to. And that's what we see in these verses of Scripture. A woman who by Jesus' own words had a great faith. So I simply want to ask you this morning, do you have a great faith? You may have plenty of things about you that are great. Your personality, your family, your your home, your job, your car. The list could go on and on. All these things. But do you have a faith that is great? The old song says, and this came to my mind, the old song says, Great is thy faithfulness. But can God say of you that great is your faith? We can sing all day long with absolute certainty, with absolute conviction, that great is God's faithfulness. But can God say of you and I that great is our faith? Also in these verses of Scripture, you could, you could lead into it. We could, we could step into these verses asking the question, Do you have a great need? It's so what this woman had and. She had the kind of faith that Jesus responded to to meet her need. What are, this morning, what are the marks of a great faith? What about this woman can we look at, can we draw from that was seen in her life, that is evidence of this great faith that she had? That's what we'll look at this morning as we study on these verses. And verse. really all these things I'm pulling out, these truths, if you will, that I'm pulling out, You see all throughout each one of the verses. But first of all, I want us to look at the fact that great faith recognizes the need, its need for for mercy. The Bible tells us in verse number 21, Jesus went thence. He left. If you have a Bible that has uh, the words of Jesus in red, you'll see leading up to our verses, there is a a large portion of Matthew 15 that is in red. Jesus speaking to Pharisees and the scribes, as verse number 1 says, And in verse number 10, there's also a multitude that he's talking to, so a large crowd that he's speaking with. So verse number 21 is telling us that he's leaving. He's withdrawing. Some uh, more modern versions may uh, translate it with a word more of that nature, withdrawing. He's kind of escaping from the crowds for a bit. And he's leaving and going into the coast, uh, coastal cities as listed, Tyre and Sidon. These are places of, of Where Gentiles ruled and primarily dwelt, not not a place where uh, the primary nature of the population was Jewish, and this is where Jesus goes to. Well, as he's in that place, in verse number 22, there's a lady that comes to him, a woman of Canaan, a Gentile woman. She's not a Jew, and she cries unto him. She says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And here's why she's come to Jesus. Here's her problem, here's her burden. Here's what's causing her so much pain. She says, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. The word, or the phrase, cried unto him. I read about that word. It speaks of a shriek. One thing I read said it's onomatopoeic for, the, for a raven's piercing cry or call. It means to cry out with an urgent scream. And I'm telling you all that for you to see the distress of this woman. Now, if I wouldn't embarrass myself, I would try to cry out as a raven, but that would just be disastrous. But to give you a picture, I mean, you can imagine this. Imagine your son or your daughter is vexed, which means that a demon has possessed this little girl. Imagine her cry. Imagine just the shrillness of it. I mean, you can hear, if you put yourself in the scene, you can maybe hear just the squeal of her cry saying, Lord, have mercy on me. The word mercy means to have compassion on or to show pity to. It means to help one that is afflicted. And this grievously vexed, I mean, this idea that there's, it's it's a bad situation. The woman is is wanting Jesus to help her daughter. And I like what Matthew Henry pointed out. Here's a mother coming to Jesus for the need of her child. And he used that as a place of application to say as as parents, often we will need to bring the needs of our children unto the Lord. When your children have a need, go to Jesus for your children. This woman has come to the place of realizing Jesus is her only hope. Jesus is the only place where she can find healing for her daughter. But as this lady cries out for mercy, she is acknowledging, this lady, this Canaanite woman is acknowledging that she is not deserving. It's the essence of mercy. In other words, her argument as she comes to Jesus is not, Lord, I've, I've tried to abstain from all the evil that I live around. Again, remember, she's not from a Jewish place, not that they, those places were where a, a lot of holiness took place, but this is a Gentile place. And she didn't come to Jesus saying, Lord, I've tried to abstain from all the evil around me, I've tried to, to do good, I've tried to, to give to your disciples. None of this is her argument. She realizes, this lady realizes, she has no ground to stand on but mercy. And what great faith realizes this morning is, is in, in, when it's present in you and I is that we have no ground to stand on. We have no argument to make to the Lord. Only, the only thing that we can come to the Lord and say is, God, please have mercy on me. Because you and I are deserving of absolutely nothing. She didn't say, Lord, I've tried to change my old ways. I'm trying to live a better life. I'm trying to live a more productive life. She says, oh Lord, have mercy on me. One of the first things a great faith will do is recognize that we don't deserve anything from Jesus. The greater our faith becomes, the more our song will become, Lord, have mercy on me. I think it's easy as we, uh, at least in accordance with my life, grew up in church, grew up in a family that went to church, it can be easy to lose sight of this prayer and this reality. I have nothing to claim before the Lord. I have nothing to bring before the Lord and say, Lord, here's something I have to offer you. Can you do something for me in return? I have none of that. And neither do you this morning. The only thing we can come to the Lord and say is, have mercy on me. Lord, show me pity. Show me compassion. I deserve nothing. So with that, a cry for mercy only comes with humility, which this lady shows a tremendous amount of. Jesus, as the text will go on, compares this, little, this lady to a little house dog. Now the, Jew, the Gentiles referred to Jews as dogs, but the, the Greek word is different. The, when the Gentiles used that of Jews, they were talking about mutts that were on the street. Very derogatory. They, were, they scavenged. They were, again, mutts. That's what the Gentiles would call the Jews. Very derogatory. Jews would call the Gentiles. I said that backwards. The Jews would call the Gentiles dogs in that derogatory sense. And remember, this lady is a Gentile. But what Jesus is calling her is not the same term. It's a different term, which meant more of a house dog, like a puppy, like a small dog in the house. But regardless, most people are not going to take too kindly to being called a dog, whether you're talking about a mutt or a house dog. But what is this lady's response? She says, She don't come up in the Lord's face and say, how dare you call me a dog? Who do you think you are calling me a dog? That's that's not this lady's response. She says, truth, Lord, you're right. Most of our thoughts would have been, I'm better than a dog. How dare you call me a dog? But when we realize, you see, great faith in essence is realizing who you are and recognizing who He is. And that's where this lady's at. She sees herself as unworthy. She sees herself in the most humble of states. But she sees Him as the perfect Savior, the perfect Son of God. Her faith enabled her to see how undeserving she was to receive anything from Jesus. Great faith will always put you in your place, which is a place of humility. May we... Never, ever, ever reach the place of thinking we are beyond crying out for mercy. Because that's what you and I all need. We need mercy from His hands. And great faith will help us to see how great our God is, how perfect, how holy, and how mighty He is. And that we, as we see Him for who He is, it helps us to see us for how small, unworthy, and undeserving we are. But also, throughout these verses, you'll see that great faith is persistent. As I mentioned, the way that Jesus responds to this woman initially is very unique and interesting to me. It almost sounds mean, if we're being honest. It almost sounds rude, if you just read it. And of course, we're going to look into it and understand Jesus is not being rude. Jesus is not being mean. But it seems very different than many of the ways He responds to people throughout the Gospels. But throughout the whole entire scene, the woman never gives up and walks away. She keeps on screaming. She keeps on crying out. And it even gets to the point in verse number 23, the Lord initially ignores her. In verse number 23, answer not a word. She's come before Him. She's crying out, Lord, please have mercy on me. And we're so often, we're used to seeing Jesus move to meet a need or Jesus step in to, to touch one that's sick to make them whole. Jesus ignores her. And the disciples just come to the Lord and say, Lord, would you please help her? Because now she's crying out to us. Would you please heal her? She's not going to be quiet until you do this for her. Seems like they're tired of hearing it. They're tired. I mean, imagine somebody squealing like the call of a raven and they just keep on saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And here the disciples saying, Lord, would you help her? Because she's not going to be quiet until you do something for her. And then Jesus again gives another response that may not be what you'd expect. Jesus tells His disciples, He says, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His response may not strike us as gracious. It may not strike us as kind as Jesus usually is. He's declaring He hasn't been sent unto Gentiles, but He's been sent unto Jews. Jesus' statement is in essence a matter of timing. In Jesus' initial mission, He came... For the Jewish people, He came in fulfillment of a promise and at their rejection, of course we know, and Jesus even shows this lady mercy, reminding us that the gospel is for Jew and Gentile alike. As the book of Acts unfolds, proving to us over and over again that God's grace is for all people. Go to Acts chapter 10. God's grace is for Jew, Gentile, whatever the situation. God's grace is for all, but His statement here is really a matter of timing. He initially was sent to the house of Israel in fulfillment of the promise to them as a people. But even at that, and whether the woman's able to hear this, it seems like she's close, so maybe she heard verse number 24, but so even at that, does she decide, well, this is pointless. No. Then in verse 25, she comes and she worships. The idea is she's fallen down before Him, down on her knees, probably has her head down in a posture of worship. And she's saying this, very powerful prayer. I thought of this as we just come off of studying prayer. If you still feel like you're struggling in prayer, I would challenge you and encourage you to remember this three-word little prayer and pray it as often as you can mutter it from your voice. She said, Lord, help me. I don't know if there's a more powerful prayer, a more needful prayer that you and I can pray than this. Lord, help me. This woman's persistent. She would not turn away. And then even at that, Jesus says to her, It is not meet to take the children's bread. It's not fitting. It's not right for me to take the children's bread. This is like, this is a, of course, Jesus', uh, there's an analogy here. The bread is the gospel, the children are the nation of Israel, and the dogs are the Gentiles. Again, Jesus' word for dog is not the same as calling her a mutt or the derogatory term that Jews would have used. But Jesus is saying the picture of a family sitting at a table and there's a little house dog running around. And Jesus is saying it's not fitting for us to take those the food and throw it to the dogs. That's Jesus' response to this lady saying, Lord, help me. She's crying out for mercy continually. She will not be quiet. And then she says, Lord, help me. And then Jesus says, it's not, it's not meat for me to take the bread and cast it to the dogs. the woman continuing to show her faith this persistence she would not turn away she would not give up she says true Lord you're right and then she makes such a powerful statement yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table In other words, this lady, this Canaanite woman, just kept on knocking. Kept on knocking at the door of mercy. Knowing, because she knew that eventually Jesus would open that door. Eventually Jesus would show her mercy. That's great faith. She was certain that eventually Jesus would open that door. That Jesus would not ignore her pleas for mercy. Jesus would show compassion. Jesus would show her pity. So she refused to turn away. Many people, and even in commentaries, the answers kind of go back and forth. May ask, why did Jesus respond to this woman in the way that he did? He mentioned, I mean, he commends her later for great faith. And he knew that from the get go, but he's, again, from the. Initial initial scene, it's almost like he's being harsh or mean to this lady. Why did he respond to her this way? Well, for one, it teaches us about faith. It's, he's developing her faith, but also this highlights his mercy. Because the picture is that of a little dog around a table. And Jesus meets the need of that. That individual. She was so confident Jesus would show her mercy that she refused to walk away until he did. Because she had faith in that nature of him to show mercy. But then finally this morning, great faith knows that Jesus is able to meet the need. The persistence that we must show is driven by recognizing Jesus' ability to help you. If this lady did not think Jesus could help her and her daughter more so with this devil, then she's going to turn. she would have turned around and went home a long time ago. But this woman knew beyond the shadow of a doubt if Jesus would so choose to do so, he could heal her daughter. She had full confidence in his ability. So in other words, not only did she have faith that Jesus would open the door of mercy, this lady had faith that once he did, he could do something about it. It'd be one thing if Jesus was willing to show mercy and Jesus had a heart to show mercy, but it'd be another thing if He tried to show mercy or attempted to show mercy and couldn't do anything about the situations and the pain and the heartache that we're experiencing. But great faith knows that if Jesus so chooses to meet the need that He can meet it. Jesus will never meet a need that He cannot respond to. If this lady did not think that Jesus could meet her needs, she wasn't going to be there. Today, if you don't think that Jesus is able to meet your needs, if you don't think that Jesus is able to meet your family's needs, then why are you here? You must have great faith that Jesus is able to do in our lives what needs to be done. I'm not just talking about doing lip service but great faith has the deep and certain inward conviction that Jesus is able to meet my need. It's not just words we say that help us along, it's, it's, it's fact and it's reality. This lady knew that even the crumbs from Jesus' table would be enough to meet her need, that just the crumbs was all she needed. She knew that Jesus had more authority than that demon did that had possessed her daughter. She knew that Jesus could make her daughter whole. She knew that no one else could cast that demon out of her daughter. She would have been trying to get them to help her. Regardless of the situation, she found hope in the amazing power of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, God's faithfulness is great, but can God say that your faith is great? As we stand together this morning, our musicians can come around and prepare for a song of of invitation this morning. Miss Tamra, you can begin playing whenever you find your place, but that's what Jesus was able to say about this lady. old woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as thou wilt. If you want to know, I think a fair way to, to decipher, or discern, there's a better word, discern, if you have a great faith, is ask yourself this question. If you would have been in this woman's shoes, if this would have been you that came to Jesus, saying, God, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter, she's been possessed with a demon. Lord, I'm not deserving, I'm not worthy, but would you show mercy? and Jesus then does not acknowledge you at all, would you have turned around and walked away and went home? If so, then our faith is not what this lady's was. If after that you continue on and you even hear the disciples say, Lord, would you please help this lady? I almost hear it's like, they're probably saying she's getting on her nerves. She's being, would you just help her? Even maybe they're thinking, if I could, I'd help her. Lord, would you help her? And then Jesus says, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At that point, would you have turned around and went home? Would you at that point have said, this man is supposed to be a healer. This man is supposed to be gracious. This man is supposed to show mercy. I've heard all this stuff. But he's none of those things. All that must have been a lie. All that must have been a fluke. And turned around and went home. Then your faith is not what this lady's was. If in verse number 25, you wouldn't have come before him, bowed down at his feet and worshiped him and then again prayed, Lord, please help me. Then your faith is not what this lady's was. And then when Jesus responded to that and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs, would you have got up in his face and said, I'm not a dog. My daughter's sick, why won't you help her? No, this lady understood who she was. Said, yes, Lord, you're right. But even the dogs get the crumbs. She just wanted mercy at his hand. And she knew that he was merciful. So she kept knocking on that door. If you have a need this morning, you need to come pray. His altars are open. Tomorrow, will come around and lead us. You may not even be able to voice your, voice your need. Well, if not, this three word prayer will be a good place to start. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. As Mark comes around and leads us, if you need to pray, these altars are open this morning. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.